There's a couple of verses that uh, I want to share, start with this morning. One of them is from Psalms chapter 16, verse 11, and then I'm from John 15, verse 11. Psalm 16, 11 says this, you'll show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Jesus, just a few uh, short days before his crucifixion, would share this with his disciples. You will show me the path of life in your presence. That's that same one. Go to John 15. I, I thought I was reading something. Okay. He said, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now, we know that it's God's will and God's desire for those who trust in him, who believe in him, who say that we are followers of Christ, say that we're Christians. We know that his desire is that we walk in joy. Now, my question, I have two this morning. One is, are you walking in that joy? The second one is, if you're not, why? And the second one is, because obvious to me, is there, a lot, there, are, there are a lot of Christians who many times are not walking in the joy of the Lord. And my question is, why aren't they? What, what, what steals our joy? What keeps us from walking in that joy? It's a big deal to me. I think the answer goes back to, uh, to something that I, that I heard uh, with, for me many, many years ago. Matter of fact, it's when I was a counselor at Canal Lake Bible Camp. Barbie was a counselor. We had met. We were not engaged, but I sure already had my eye on that lady. Uh, best thing Murphy, North Carolina has ever produced. <laughs> I tell you, no slam against any of, the, any of you Murphy people, but I just want to tell you, but I was a counselor at Canal Lake Bible Camp, and it was probably 1968. I, I, I don't know. It might have been 60, 60 somewhere in there. Uh, I know in, in, in the Bible that I got from, from graduation in 1968 from high school, I had made notes of, a, of, a, of the speaker that week in Bible Camp. And he, and he preached four, four messages from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi from the book of Philippians. So some of the things I'm going to share with you uh, this morning and probably uh, for a little while uh, are my first encounter with them was in Bible camp in uh, the evening services that week because he talked about how to live a victorious Christian life, how to walk in joy. Now, the speaker had, uh, had, heard, had, had been inspired by a message he heard preached by Warren Wearsby at Winona Lake, Indiana, back in the early 60s. And so, uh, so that influenced me, influenced him, influenced me. But I want you to turn with me to the book of Philippians. Paul had wanted to go to uh, Philippi and preach the gospel, I mean to Rome. He had wanted to go to Rome and to preach the gospel, but instead he went to Rome as a prisoner 
And now as he writes this letter, he's under house arrest. He's chained to a Roman guard, most likely by the ankles. He's chained to a Roman guard 24-7. They, they change guards ever, ever so very frequently. But Paul is always just a chain length away from a Roman soldier. That would be a bummer, right? Come on, big boy, I got to go to the bathroom. Come on, big boy, I got to go. You know, and everywhere he went, there was a guard. He, his, his trial was coming up soon. And, he, and in his trial, and he was on trial for something he, had, for something he wasn't done, hadn't done. But he knew that in the trial, there, could be, there was two, two ways it could go. One is he, he could be acquitted and, and uh, set free. But he also knew that they, he could be found guilty and be executed. And he didn't know which way that was going to be. But from, so from this prison in Rome to a group of Christians in the church in Philippi, Paul writes what, what some people have described as a missionary thank you letter. But it's in this missionary thank you letter that I believe Paul shares what he's found to be the secret of the Christian joy. And in this letter, uh, if you read it, and I would encourage it's four chapters. It's not, for me, it's not even that long. So for some of you, it's a breeze. If you read it, underline the number of times the word joy or joyful or rejoicing or glad or gladness are mentioned. Man, it's often. So what was Paul's secret? And there's, a, there's another uh, word that kind of cues us in to what his secret was also. And that word is the mind or to think. The secret of the Christian's joy is an attitude. Right attitude leads to right behavior. What was it that, uh, who was it? Zig Ziglar used to say, stinking thinking. Yeah? Uh, right attitude. So what is that? Well, talks about, Paul talks about joy in chapter one. Paul talks about joy in spite of our circumstances. Circumstances can be a joy killer. They can be a joy robber. Hey, it's easier, right? It's easier to be joyful when everything's going good. When the dogs don't bark at night, the neighbors are sweet and kind. You get thank you letters all the time and encouraging notes. Man, it's a breeze when things are like that. When the circumstances are good. You know? But what happens we, we really, to be honest, we are in control of so little of our circumstances. Do you realize that? Now, I mean, we meet here Sunday after Sunday, and some mornings, I mean, this morning it's beautiful. See the sun out here, and you think, man, what a gorgeous day. It may rain this afternoon, but right now it's beautiful. Some Sundays we meet, and it is like a diluge out there, right? As rain is coming down, and, and we think, man. Some Sundays we meet, and it's cold, blowing snow. But the truth of the matter is, you can't control the weather no more than I can. And we grumble about it. It's too wet. rains a lot, it's too wet. If it don't rain, it's too dry. If it gets hot, it gets too hot. If it gets too cold, it gets too cold. You know? and, and sometimes we can get so concerned with things that we have no control. You have no control of the weather, folks. 
Just relax. I'm convinced that somebody whose pay grade is a lot higher than mine controls the weather. So I'll relax. I depend that he knows what he's doing. I don't think he's lost control of it. He's in charge. There's other things we can't control. Somebody said first service, we can't control other people. That's for sure. I prayed for years that God would control Barbie and I would control her, and that didn't work. (laughs) He controls her. You can't control other people. Similarly, we can't control a lot of stuff that's going on. We can't control our circumstances. If your joy, let me just say this. If your joy depends upon the circumstances that you're in being right, most likely you're miserable most of the time. Huh? If your joy depends upon your circumstances being right, forget it. Forget it. Because it's going to be most of the time they're not. Paul was in bad circumstances when he writes this letter. And how does he be so joyful? Well, the key, Paul says, to having joy in spite of your circumstances is to have a single mind, or what he calls the single mind. And he gives us a clue of that when verse 21. With these circumstances that I ascribe, in verse 21, Paul says this. He says, for me to live is what? Christ. All right, wake up. Come on. You, most of you can read. Look at the screen or look at your Bible. It says, for me to live is? That's good. That's about almost a half. The rest of you, quit chewing your gum. Take a big breath. All right. Paul says, for me to live is? Christ. Much better. And to die is gain. Now, what he said, hey, if they, if they find me guilty... If they sentence me to be beheaded or to be executed, you need to know something. I've been looking forward to meeting my Savior. I know that when I'm with him, I know that when I'm absent here to be with him, it's going to be, it's going to gain, man. It's exciting for Paul. But he said, know this. If I am acquitted, if they give me more time to live, whatever time I have to live, I live it for one purpose. Remember that old, old movie, uh, uh, what, City Slickers? You remember that? And the, and the old cowboy in that. And, and they were saying, how do you, how did you, what's, what's your secret, man? How did you, look at you, you're so tough. You're so, and he said, one, remember the one thing, he oh, one thing, one thing. Paul said, Paul says the secret of, of a Christian's joy, no matter the circumstances, is this one thing. He said, I live for Christ. I live for Christ. Christ is what Paul lived for. Christ and the gospel. And you know how many times, and just think about this. In the first chapter alone, Paul mentions the word Christ 18 times. He mentions the word the gospel six times. It was a single mind. Paul said, hey, whatever happens to me is not near as important as long as Jesus is glorified. And as long as the gospel is shared with others, it's a single mind, Paul says, that helps us have joy no matter what our circumstances are in. Now, if he can say that under house arrest, waiting on a trial that maybe has cost his life, listen to me. There's not a one of us that are in here this morning that have an excuse and can say, but my circumstances were worse than Paul's. Really? You say, Jerry, you just don't know. No, I don't. 
But you're, you're, you're not facing that. You may feel like you are, but listen to me. My desire this morning, we, we've, we've been brought into the presence of God through the worship and praise of who he is. We can trust him with that which we have no control over. And that is our circumstances. And when we find ourselves in those circumstances that we wonder, that we question, God, where are you? It's a matter of trust and walking by faith. And it's a matter of having this one attitude that I am bound and determined. Every day, every hour, every minute that gives me breath to live, to come through the door again, Jeannie, every time he gives me that opportunity, that it's more about him and more about the gospel than it is about me. Because the fellowship, knowing that the, the, the fellowship of the gospel is being strengthened through what happens. Look what Paul says as he writes this letter to the Philippians. Let's just walk through a, a few verses here. Verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, all the saints in Christ which are at Philippi with the leadership there of the church. Grace be to you, peace from God the Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I thank God, I thank my God every time I think of you. Well, that's... That's pretty awesome. That, that's kind of convicting to me. Uh, I wonder what people think when, they, when somebody says they're out in town and somebody mentions Jerry Helton. You know? And they hear my name. What do they, what do they think when they hear Fred Freeman or, or Jim Bryant or Joe Nickerson? Is their first thought, is their first thought a thought of, man, I'm so thankful to know them. I'm so thankful to know what God is doing in their lives. They're, they're, they're such a reflection of his glory. If God can use a, a clod like Jerry, if he, if he can change him, if he can change a, a man like Joe Nickerson and, and, and just change him with the love that he has for everybody, man, there's hope for me. Paul said to these Philippians, every time I think about you, he said, look what he says. He said, in my every remembrance from you, I thank God. And, you, and always in every prayer of mine for your all making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel, I just underlined that, your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who started a good work in you is going to finish it to the day of Jesus Christ. This is one of Barbie's, I learned, it's one of her, I don't want to say pet peeves, she don't have many peeves, but it's one thing she did that, that she just really is, is big with her. Jury? If you start a project, finish it. She hates, and I don't mean it in a bad way, it really just bothers her. Half done projects, you know? And I, and, 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 and I was bad. I'm better, but I was bad. You know, I would have three or four going, okay? I'll get to it. And, and she would say to me, just finish one. Now, I'll tell you, your project, if you're born again, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, uh, what's that word, uh, what's that scripture for it says? For Ephesians 2, right? For we're his workmanship. We're on his workbench, all right? He's got you on his workbench. God's got you on his workbench, Philip. You're there. Now, this verse, Paul says, he says, when I think about you guys, and he said, every time you're on my mind, and he says, I'm thanking God for you, because he says, I know what God started in your life. He started a good work in your life. Philip, he started that good work in your life. And this verse says, we can trust him. Bill, we can trust him. We can trust him.
that he's going to finish that. He's going to do that in our lives. Wow. That's awesome to me. Now, Paul could have thought about Philippi, and he had every opportunity to, to, to not go with joy. It was in Philippi, you remember this, it was in Philippi that Paul was arrested, thrown in jail. It was in, it was in, in Philippi where he would be down in, in, the, in the Lord dungeon singing praises to the Lord at midnight, and God would shake the prison. You remember that? And the doors come open, and the Philippian jailer, remember, the, and he was going to kill himself. Paul said, no, 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 don't do that. We're all here, big guy, we're all here. Now, it was, it, it, you know, but it was in Philippi where Paul was treated poorly by the authorities. It's not his circumstances. But Paul says, look at this. Paul said, he's saying to these Philippian believers, I love you. And because I love you, I'm thinking about you. And it's a good thought. Secondly, notice what he says. He says, and not only am I thinking about you, but he said, I've got you in my heart. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, even as is meet for me to think of this of you all. See, Paul was from southern, wherever he's from. He's talking about everything's you all. If he had been from the hills, he'd have said yuns, okay? He wasn't a Galilean. He'd said you all. Because I have you, look at verse 7. I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all share this grace. For God is my record. How greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. He said, man, I love you guys. I love you guys. You're in my mind, and you're in my heart. Now, if we aren't careful, people can get on our mind and on our nerves. <laughs> Chapter 2. Chapter 2, Paul talks about the secret of not letting people steal your joy. Okay? Some of you are going to slip here. I've got to read that sucker right now. I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> but right now, he's talking about how do we not let circumstances steal our joy? Well, because we have this single attitude that it's about Christ more than it's about me. And if it's about Christ more than it's about me, it's about me loving him more and more. How can I love him more and more if I'm not loving you more and more? Ah, oh, you say, Jerry, because he's easy to love. Somebody gave me a book right before I got fired from coaching. I'd like to say I retired with an awesome record and I just wore out. No, I really got fired from coaching. But, but some preceptive parent of one of the players I was coaching gave me a book. It's the truth now. And the title of it is Hard to Soar with the Eagles When You Work with the Buzzards. And they gave it to me. I read the title. I laid it down. A few months later, I was picking it back up reading this thing. Oh, my goodness, you know. But how this secret, this, the secret of this single mind that it's not about me, it's about Christ, is involved with loving him. And the only way we do that is by loving others. Look at what he says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. Look at what God's word says. God's word says that we know that we've passed from death unto life. Now, what would we call, what would you call that? Passing from death to life. Who? Being born again. Scripture says we've been taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So we could really read this verse and say we, we know that we've really been saved. And we could say, oh, how I love Jesus. What does he say? Because we 
love the brethren. You've got to be kidding me. Because he that loveth not his brother, hey, it's not my words. They're his words, right? But they're important if we want to learn that circumstances are not to control or dictate or tell us how we are to think or how we're to love. And how do we, how do we love those buzzards instead of the eagles? Well, there's a verse in Romans chapter 5. It kind of helps us out with that. Look at Romans 5, 5. And hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. Romans 8 9 would say that when we accept Christ as when we're saved, when we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts. With young kids, we say, now Jesus has come to live in your heart. It's the same thing. Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in our heart. And this verse says that he's pouring God's love in us and through us out to each other. We should be growing in our love for one another as we grow in our love for God. I want to read this. I wrote it one day this week. It grieves my heart. And I know it must grieve our Father's heart more when we're not growing in our loves, loves and our love for one another. How can we say our love for Him is greater? If our love for each other is not greater. You want to know how you're doing with that? There's a couple of things I just wrote down. Well, how am I doing in that, Jerry? You know, how am I doing in that? And loving each other, loving you, loving others that I don't know. One is, am I concerned in a good way for them? Am I wanting the best for them? Am I really wanting them to be successful? Am I really wanting them to, to prosper? Am I really wanting them to have the joy that I'm experiencing? Two, is everything good between us? Is everything good between us? Wow. 1 Peter 4, 8 tells us this. I'm going to Corinthians. 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all things. Now, he would say, man, this is big. Have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity covers a multitude of sins. Another word for that charity there is a better word. It's charis, right, Daryl? No, that's grace. It's, 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 it's love. It's love. Have fervent love among yourselves. For love covers a multitude of sins. Now, those of us that have been buried, I just want to tell you, Barbie loves me. She loves me, and she loves me, I believe, yeah, this is just me. I believe she loves me now more than she ever has. And it's not because I'm better than I've ever been. It's because her love for me covers up all those boner things I do in my life. Covers a multitude of sins. You can go to any church you want to go to. You can join any group you want to join to, a church or an organization. You can get involved in any relationships you want to get involved in. But if your time there 
becomes a time when you're seeing the faults in people around you. And you're seeing, oh, you're looking at somebody up front and you're thinking, what a hypocrite they are. Or you're listening to somebody sharing their group and you're thinking, man, they sound so good, but they're just a hypocrite. You'll be miserable. And people around you will be miserable. Paul said, I love you. He said, I've got you on my mind and I've got you on my heart and I love you. And he loved him not because of the circumstances being right, but he loved him because the Holy Spirit in Paul couldn't keep, just made him love other people, even people that mistreated him. Look at what he says now in verse, where did we get to? Verse 8, let's read verse 9, 10, 11. Paul says, you're, in, you're on my mind, you're in my heart. And he said, and, and this I pray. He, now they're in his prayers. Now they're in his prayers. And this I pray, look what he's praying for him, that your love would abound more and more. That's the one thing that brought me to this, was this verse. I I remembered Paul's prayer for somebody that their love would grow more and more. Listen, there will come a time when I'm not preaching to you, Jeff will be preaching or someone else. But know this, it's not who stands behind this pulpit. It's who sits on the throne. And he never changes. Ministry and leadership change, folks. And that's okay. That can be exciting. He changes in our lives. But the one that's on the throne never changes. And his word, Jeff, is true. Whether Jeff's sharing it, I'm sharing it, Fred's sharing it, it's true. And Paul said, I pray for you that God, that, that the love in you and he prays two things specifically. He says, one, that it would abound more and more. He's wanting it to grow because Paul knows as they grow in their love for God, their love for each other to grow. You can't have a bunch of people that sang to me or show me or try to show me how much they love God if they don't love others. You can't. What does the verse say? We just read them. He that loves not his brother is walking in death. First John 3 would say, hey, Jesus said, you know, beloved, love me, for love is of God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, because God is love. Both on a horizontal level and on a vertical level. I'm just telling you, this is my prayer. Paul said, I'm praying that your love for each other would abound more and more in knowledge and in discernment. I think King James says in judgment, but it's really discernment. See, this, this love is not to be a blind love. Barbie doesn't love me blindly. Sometimes she, you know, sometimes I try to convince her of that. My hairs fell out. I used to have a head of dark black hair. My grandma used to talk to me about it. I used to be six foot four. No, I didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> she, she would, she'll tell you, she was praying when, when she, we were young, you know, and before, before she fell so head over heels in love and being didn't know it. Uh, she said she, she was praying for a Christian boyfriend, and I love that because God sent her me. But you know who she was praying for? If you ask her today, she said, I was praying for a 6'4", blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. Now, I just want to tell you, there was a Vimont boy, and that was their last name, that looked like that. And so when she told me that later, I said, you were praying for Johnny Vimont. No, she said, I didn't, but somebody like him. <laughs> uh, see, as, as our love for each other abounds, it's not a love that, that looks and says, well, they're perfect, because they're not perfect. There'll never be a perfect pastor. 
at the house of prayer. But I pray there will always be a man of God. And there has been. This has been our legacy. And it will continue. I pray there will always be a man that will walk in humility and be real and humble and say to you, I'm here, but it's all God. It's all Christ. And Paul could say that. And he said, I want you to learn to walk with each other and that your grace would abound in, in knowledge and in discernment. Look what he says. That you may approve things that are excellent and that you may be in sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Boy, that's powerful. Verse 11. I've got to close here. But being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. All right, I've got this three verses in the New Living Translation. And uh, uh, 9, 10, 11. You got that up there, Mr. Matt, is that Matthew's up there? Who is that? Yeah. Look at this. He said, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you can live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. What is that, Paul? May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. And this is part of that fruit of salvation. What is the fruit of our salvation? Look at this. That the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. The righteous character, the love of God, the grace of God, the peace of God produced in us through Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Well, Paul prays for them to mature and their Christian character, and their love. There's a, there's a verse I, I've skipped somewhere in my notes. Hey, Matthews, can you go to 1 Corinthians 13? I think it starts with verse 4. Look at you. Dad, Jim, you're, some, you're fast. Craig, you've done awesome. I, I, because when we talk about what real love is, and I put this in, uh, in, in New Living, and, and I, I'm going to tell you why, why I did this. Because when I read this, and I, I memorized 1 Corinthians 13 in King James. And I love it. I memorized it in King James when I was a teenager. And, there, and I, got, I, I loved it. I got comfortable. Then one day I read it in the New Living. And uh, I'm not saying that King James didn't convict him, but he said it in such a way, and I thought, golly, bum, is that what that really means? Look, love's patient. Love's kind. Love's not jealous or boastful or proud. Are rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. Now, wait, hang on a second. Don't, don't go too fast, Matthews. I, I read that, and I'll just tell you the truth. About, about 11 o'clock at night, I can get irritable. I don't know what it is with me. You know, and, and, and I used to get irritable, and it, it wasn't my fault. I just got irritable. It was, it was other people's fault. It was the circumstances' fault. And I used to, it's such a bad time, I used, to, I used to say to Barbie, I need that old Ed Ames song. Help me be a little kinder, you know, to those around me. And I realized, that ain't loving them. And that bothered me. And it bothered me enough that I had to say, God, now I can still get tired and that's okay. But being tired is not an excuse for me to be, if it's irritable. 
Irritable sounds, that's like something that, that you know, that role would have. He's irritable. Jerry Hilton gets grouchy, okay? I just, I, I, I can get grouchy. And I had to pray. I, I hate to bust some of y'all's bubble. You, you didn't think I ever did. And I know that. I, I just want to tell you, but the others of you have talked to Barbie. And you, and you don't even have a bubble, okay? But, but it got to the point where I said, Lord, please. I don't want, when I get tired, when I get tired, I know this. When I get tired, Lord, I have to really depend upon your Holy Spirit more because I, I can be grouchy in my own self. And when I am, that ain't love. That's Jerry Helton coming through. Pure and simple. And remember, Paul said the key to having a single mind is to realize that what happens to me and my circumstances are not as important as, as Christ being glorified and of him being honored, the gospel being shared. So I read this, love's not irritable. How you doing on that? I'm not going to go there. I know how I'm working on that. Now, let, look at this last little phrase right here. Love keeps no record of being wronged. After first service, I, I can say this. Uh, Joyce Stewart came up and she said, Pastor, she said, first time I ever heard somebody preach on 1 Corinthians 13, the preacher said, now I'm just going to tell you her words, but, but you can be the one. She said, the preacher said, a lot of women tend to, tend to carry a gunny sack on their back. And when their husbands do something that is wrong or that irritates them or that offends them, they'll forgive them, but they throw it in a gunny sack. And they just keep carrying their gunny sack. And she said, then one day he forgets to put the, to the lid on the toothpaste and the gunny sack busts and all the gunny sack comes out. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? It's not just women. We men, we may not have a gunny sack full, but most of the time I've found that with us, it's like they done me wrong, they offended me. It. What's that old saying? Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, or shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I don't. You know. I just know. It, when I read this, I thought, Oh my goodness! If I don't keep, if I don't remind Barbie of what, you know, if I if I don't remind her, how is she ever going to get better? <laughs> Honey, this is the third time that you've done that. You know how much it bothers me. Yes, my, my big one, this is bad. This, my big one was open doors. Craig knows this. If these doors, on side doors are open, I just feel like the Holy Spirit goes out. I, I, no, he don't. It bothers me. And sometimes, and, and the, 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 the meanest, Craig prays hard because sometimes when he's down here turning on the speakers, I know, and he's done it once or twice. He just leaves the door ajar a little bit. And he knows, and, he, and, and when I go closer, he'll just grin from up there because he knows he's done it. Well, my, mine was in our bedroom, and we've always had a closet door. Seemed like every, we've always had it in the bedroom. Whether it's in the trailer or mobile home or a house with wheels or a house without, we've had them. And, and, and if that, I've had to get up out of bed and go close the closet door. I could not go to sleep. The blame closet door. If the bedroom could have been dark, but the closet door was open. You know? And if I don't remind her, honey, do you know how much it bothers me to go to bed with the clock? How's she going to ever learn? And the Lord said, Jerry, that ain't love. Lord, can I put love aside just for a few minutes? And can I deal with practicality? You know what he says? 
Yeah, you try to do that all the time. But if you're wanting to grow in me, and if you're wanting to grow in a single mind so that circumstances, open doors, little things, irritations, so that they do not rob you of your joy, then you listen to my word. And you need to agree with him. And that which is wrong, would like saying that which is sin, you say, I don't want to think it's sin. It ain't love. Okay? That which is not of love, we need to commit to him. I've, I've got to stop. I've got more, but I've got to stop. Let me just say this. This week, this is what I left with. This week, Matthew at North Georgia College, wherever you are, wherever you're working, moved into a new house, wherever you are, got to go to Atlanta for doctor's appointments, pre-op. This week, whatever the circumstances, those that you don't even know about now, those that are going to come into your life blindside you this week, for some of you it will. For some of you it may be just an irritation. For some of you it can be life-changing. Listen, you know that. Whatever they are, can I ask God to help me stay focused? It's a single mind. We learned this in Upward. Cole and Zach and, and, and those of you who work with Upward, we, we learned this. Uh, people commit and decommit, and they don't tell us they've decommitted. You know? Or you depend on, and then you're disappointed. Or uh, someone you depend on, and you're just thrilled. But we have to learn that it's not about all the circumstances being right. There will always be something. You, we can get the video, we can get the projector going, and it'll be clear. And the sound will mess up. Or we can have the projector great and the sound great, and then some parent will get irritated, you know? Or something. Not, not it ever happens. But there's always, just pray this week, no matter what the circumstances, the most important thing is not how it affects me or how it makes me look or not look. The most important thing, what? Is Christ. It's a single mind. It's Christ. What about me is not near as important as about you and your character and your glory and the furtherance of the gospel. Do you realize sometimes those circumstances around us are just Satan tries to use those to get our mind off because there may be that person standing right there that needs to see Christ or hear Christ. You don't have to preach to them. Just walk it out. Just live it out. A single mind on him and on others in the gospel. Used to be a little course we sing, Jesus and others and you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. Jesus and others and you and a life of each heart and each boy. J is for Jesus, for he has for place. O is for others. We meet face to face. Y is for you and whatever you do. Put yourself third, last. It ain't about you. Hashtag, it ain't about me. <laughs> Hashtag, it's about him, Right? It's about him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we, uh, as, a, as the deacons come forward and we get ready to share in communion, we're so aware, I'm so aware, that it was a big deal, an important deal with Paul and his Christians at Philippi. And it's a big deal with us here at the house of prayer. That we walk in our joy in a relationship with you. That the world will see that where the person's come into the clo a closet to get some clothes, their house is just burned. They've just moved here and they have nothing. Where, so where there's a person that's come into the cottage and there's not enough food to go the rest of the week and they're coming to get food. 
Or it's the person who's got everything and they just stopped by to chat with one of the ministers that it's all about you. It's all about you. And we want them to know that you love them. And Lord, to do that, we want your love poured in us and through us that you just get all over them like a bunch of syrup, making them sweet because they've been in the presence of a person who's got a single mind. And that mind is to live as you. Lord, circumstances this week are going to be tough for some. For others, it may be an easy week. And boy, that's good. But Lord, help us that our attitude and our purpose in life doesn't change week to week or month to month or year to year because of the circumstances. But help us to be focused on you in your character, in your gospel. Now, Lord, I'm asking you now for Jerry help me. Help me this week. Help me to, to, to be attentive to your Holy Spirit. Help me to, to, to realize when those circumstances are trying to take my joy and help me relax and confess it and walk humbly before you, trusting you. And you need to pray. Some of you just say, yep, that's me. I'm, I'm right with you. Others may say, and thank you, Lord, that you've showed me this and I'm walking in this. And listen, there may be, I, I don't want to leave this this time for the communion without there may be some here this morning that said I've never been saved I, I you know I know I need to do I know I need to ask Jesus in my life but I've never been saved I was kind of waiting until I maybe till I got older and done a lot of things and some of the older ones saying I wish I'd have done it younger before I did a lot of things but that may be you whether you're old or whether you're young and you say I've never asked him to come in my life and jury I'm still in the kingdom of darkness if I were to die today I'd go to hell and I know that and I don't want to go there so I came to church this morning in hopes that something could change in my life. My friend, it's about to change when you get Jesus Christ come in. Taste him and see he's good. Chains of bondage can break. Chains of fear. Chains of guilt that you've drugged and have been dragging you. He can break those chains. Give you new life in him. If that's you right now, I'd like for you to just pray with me. God, I, I need you in my life. I'm a sinner, but you're a Savior. And I'm asking you to come in and forgive me. Save me. And I know you want to take up residence. You will take up residence in my life. And I know there's going to be a growing process now. And I'm going to listen to you and learn on you. And, I, and Lord, help me because I, I, may, I may rebel and struggle at times. But I want to grow in that because I want to love you more. And I know that means learning how to love other people too. I just Maybe that's you and maybe you have, don't have a problem with that, but maybe that's you and maybe you've been hurt, maybe you've been betrayed, and maybe you say, I'll just not trust anybody ever. That's the only way I'm going to do it. Let me just tell you, Jesus has a way of breaking that shell. To love is to be hurt. Listen to me. To love people is to be hurt by people. But when you love God, He never hurts you and He gives you His grace to love others. Jesus, thank you for coming into my life. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm just going to ask you, because I want you to affirm something. If you prayed that prayer, and, and, and it's not the raising of a hand that's going to save you. If, if you prayed that prayer and asked Christ to come in, he's, he's come into your heart. But he asked us to acknowledge him before people, to take a stand. If you prayed that prayer and asked Christ to come into life, I'd like you just to raise your hand, keep it up, and then put it down just in a second. I see those hands. Other hands, 
You can put them back down after you raise them. God bless you. Other hands, thank you. Thank you, Lord. This is just acknowledging what you're doing. I'm excited about that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, Father, as we come into the, the sharing of the communion time, may it be as powerful as a singing and as a message. In your name I pray. Amen.